Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you for joining us on this week's AccuWeather podcast. And this one is adrenaline-filled, excitement, explosions. Andy, who we got? Oh, well, we've got (laughs) first and foremost, like we talked about on the last episode of the show, extreme meteorologist and storm chaser AccuWeather Network's own Reed Timmer going to be joining us on the show today. This is going to be one heck of an interview. Real excited about that. And then we'll also be talking... uh, The 4th of July fireworks. That's right. Possibly the most... I'm going to say maybe the most important fireworks display in the country because it happens at the home of independence. That's right. Philadelphia. So we are talking to uh, Pyrotechnico uh, show producer Ken Firstos about how they prepare for the fireworks display on the 4th of July in Philadelphia. Yeah, and how they plan around it with weather and other things like that. It'll be a real interesting segment. Can't wait to get to it. So that's coming up. Stay with us. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. And today we are storm chasing. Well, we're talking to extreme meteorologist Reed Timmer, who does hits for us that you just heard uh, for the AccuWeather Network. He goes storm chasing all over the country. Where are you today, Reed? Well, I'm, I'm in Golden, Colorado, which is where I live in between storms now, but I was in the southern high plains over the weekend, and now it looks like at the end of this week, I'll probably be heading back up to the uh, Dakotas and then drop southeast of the Corn Belt for the next storm system. Wow, so probably a lot of time spent in hotel rooms for you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think over the last few months, I've been on the road probably you know, 50 out of the 60 days or something like that. Tell me a little bit, uh, Reed, about storm chasing. How did this begin for you? Well, I've always loved weather. I've been obsessed with it since as long as I can remember, uh, probably five or six years old. Anytime a severe thunderstorm warning would be issued, I'd get really excited or a snowstorm or or anything. And I grew up in Michigan, actually. So I was really into lake effect snow growing up as well. And um, actually collected insects for about 10 years. I was really into the sciences. I was in science Olympiad in school. And so kind of following the science of meteorology uh, definitely made sense to me because I was so passionate about the storms and always wanted to be a storm chaser. And then as soon as I got my driver's license when I was 16, I realized that I didn't have to wait for the storms to come to me anymore, but I could drive after them. So that's when I I started storm chasing. I bet your parents loved that. I just was thinking about when my kids got their driver's license and I'm like, you can run down to the school and right back. (laughs) You were storm chasing. So that's great. Yeah, I did it in secret there for a few years. Um, But I chased some lake effect snow squalls in Michigan and tried to chase a few tornadoes, but I didn't have much luck up in Michigan. And then I went to Oklahoma uh, when I was 18 to study 
meteorology at the University of Oklahoma in Norman and then saw my first tornado as a freshman down there. But it was kind of lucky because I didn't know what I was doing at first, but I figured it out pretty quickly. At least the tornado's on the south side of the storm. But what I should have done is uh, gone with somebody that knew what they were doing or take a Skyward training course right off the bat. Uh, but I kind of learned the hard way and, and just went out there and storm chased. Right. Well, um, you you have a Ph.D. in meteorology, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to school for 17 years, continuous enrollment at OU there, and uh, just uh, graduated uh, with my Ph.D. a few years ago. And uh, my research in grad school was on seasonal climatology of weather extremes as related to agriculture. So it's something that's on a, a totally different spectrum in, in meteorology, but uh, I, I storm chased uh, all the way through as well. You know, I think it's so cool to uh, read that you want to get in the midst of the storm. You want to get out there in it because, you know, so many of us, uh, you know, we're looking at it, computer models and that, but for you to actually be out in it is, is pretty cool for us. Tell me what, a, like, what's a typical day look like for you? We, we, uh, I gotta tell you, we recently watched uh, Twister and we did the uh, Twister podcast where we're talking about weather in movies. Is that anything like what a real day would be like? Or what's a day look like for you when you're storm chasing? Well, one thing that's definitely not shown in the movie Twister are, are the hours and hours we spend driving in between the storms where nothing's happening. So there's a lot of downtime with storm chasing. There, There is a, definitely a few minutes of excitement when, you, uh, when you're on the storm and you catch up to it. But there's a lot of downtime and a lot of trying to find out where that target area is going to be. So most of the time I'm analyzing forecast models and surface maps and satellite imagery and uh, but I'm always looking for those target areas where the ingredients for tornadoes will come together, like instability, wind shear, that changing wind speed and direction with height that causes the storms to rotate. And then you have to figure out how far or how long it will take to drive to the target area. And you have to get there with plenty of time. So there's a lot of time out there that I'm spending driving and then I'll pull over and analyze forecast models and then the chase starts, then you're trying to find the, the storm that is most likely to produce tornadoes and there are so many different factors that go into that. Uh, but you're always looking at radar imagery and then once you get close enough to the storm, then I rely on my eyes a lot to identify the storms that look the strongest visually or the ones that are the most crisp. And uh, you're also constantly surveying the area for other storms that may be outside of your line of sight that may have a better chance of producing tornadoes and the situation's constantly evolving too which which keeps storm chasing interesting right i'm always amazed uh you know when we uh, have you on the accuweather network of the fact that you're out there way before anybody else even seemed to recognize that's where the ingredients were going to come together perfectly for these storms so you're always in the right place in the right time and um i have a question for you too is do you travel alone or is there some regulars that you run into out there? Is there like a camaraderie among storm chasers? <laughs> there definitely is. And uh, most of my friends are also storm chasers. And I run to that, run into them randomly on the side of the road or sometimes I'll caravan for a little while when we're on the same storm and you know, share our, our recent storm chasing stories as well. And uh, so there definitely is a camaraderie and everybody's out there working together to deliver those storm reports and to help warn people in the path of these storms too so we're all working together out there to be the eyes in the field for meteorologists like you guys at AccuWeather and um, also the National Weather Service that uh, are issuing warnings out there and television meteorologists that are relaying those reports to people in the path of these storms so there's certainly a camaraderie out there and it's an interesting world out there. I'm sure it goes from 
probably extreme boredom at times to extreme danger all of a sudden. So um, I, I have a question also, are you, outside of storm chasing because you know we look at it and i think are you an adrenaline junkie outside of storm chasing in other words like have you done like skydiving you know climbing cliffs roller coasters is there anything else that where you're like on the edge i'm not really an adrenaline junkie overall and there are certainly easier ways than storm chasing to to get a rush and i think actually i feel more calm when i'm around a storm but uh overall i'm definitely not an adrenaline junkie and uh, I, I do love nature, though, so I like to do a lot of hiking and spend, spending time outdoors. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah, so it actually brings you calm. Yeah, storm chasing overall is a pretty pretty relaxing activity. And, um, you know, you have, uh, I think I was told you have a rocket that you're working on that would shoot sensors into a tornado. So can you talk to me about that? And if you were able to do that, what do you hope it ultimately would lead to? Well, our number one priority when we're out there storm chasing is relaying those reports. Uh, to help warn people in the path of these storms. But one of my other main priorities in storm chasing is the science. And because, you know, we have the unique ability to get close to tornadoes, especially with an armored vehicle called the Dominators, that we can intercept storms directly or get close to tornadoes and uh, be safe, you know, if we were be much safer if we were in a normal vehicle. And so we're designing trackable sensors that can measure data inside tornadoes, like pressure, temperature, relative humidity. Uh, and high-resolution PPS tracking as well. And we're trying to figure out ways to deploy these inside tornadoes. And one of those delivery mechanisms that we're, we're using are um, model rockets. So we have this rocket array on top of one of our armored vehicles that are shooting these sensors into the tornado, and then we can track them and then recover them afterward and pull that data off. And your ultimate hope for what that would lead to in uh, forecasting these would be... Well, the ultimate goal is to figure out just how strong the winds get inside tornadoes and how low those uh, pressures can fall. And we're just now getting to the point where technology will allow us to deploy several of the, or even a swarm of these sensors into the tornado uh, to measure the pressure fields inside and especially measure the data right near the ground where that tornado is interacting with the friction of the earth and also uh, that tornado are, you know, could be impacting the lives and property of humans as well. So that's why it's so important for us to, to understand the, the true meteorology of what's happening inside the tornado right near the ground. And just a reminder, we are talking to Reed Timmer, a storm chaser and extreme meteorologist. Uh, Reed, what would your advice be to someone who would want to become a, a storm chaser, new in the field, maybe some of the do's and don'ts? Well, I think the key is to, to really focus on the meteorology as well. And uh, storm chasing is great, but if you have a, a full understanding of the science of, of the storms and also the variables that you're forecasting, like those forecast models, I think it's very important to build a background in meteorology and uh, maybe you know, go to school and study the science or a related field is also important, and then grow storm chasing as a hobby. But it's also important to do it safely, and to do that, you could go to your local National Weather Service office and take a Skywarn training course and learn the basics of storm structure or maybe go with a, a veteran storm chaser and, and learn the basics first because storm chasing can be a very safe hobby if you know what you're doing and you understand the storms, but you have to do it the right way. And if you do go out there and don't know the basics of storm structure, you can easily get yourself in a bad spot because the storm uh, can be very dangerous if you get caught in a bad position. And what are some of the uh, recent storms maybe you've chased uh, just in this season that have been more significant to you? 
Well, there's definitely one up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, which is about an hour and a half north of here. And I was in a rental car, and I was chasing a storm right off of uh, the Cheyenne Ridge. I had to take a, a very rural road. It was a road with two tracks and big sinkholes on either side and big jagged rocks that were sticking up. And I ended up popping the back tire of my rental car, but I was still about <laughs> 10 or 15 miles from the tornado. So I had two options. I either changed the tire and missed the tornado or I tried to continue driving and see it. So I had to drive on the rim for about 15 miles oh on uh, this old country road and then finally caught up to the tornado and there were horizontal baseball size hailstones coming in with the hook that was wrapping around on the south side. And then I got through and saw the tornado touch down to my right. And then it began to come back west from my position, so I just continued to drive north. I found some damage that the tornado did and started doing search and rescue. And then I found a guy who rode out the tornado in a stairwell, and he had two giant huskies as well of him. So I welcomed him to come into my rental car. So I had these masked bags that were in the back seat to cover the whole vehicle with mud, tearing it apart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and wow. that was, uh, it was definitely rough on the vehicle, but it felt, it felt good to to help people in need out there. Well, I'm sure, and I'm sure that guy was really appreciative of it. Uh, and is it like you break it, you bought it? Like, do you now own a rental car? <laughs> <laughs> no, in that, in that case, yeah, I, I was able to return it. And it was okay. They were just thankful that, that I was safe. Well, it's been really interesting talking to you, Reed. I'm glad you took some time from uh, storm chasing to sit down on the phone with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, take care it. out there. All right, never stop chasing. And you can see videos of Reed's storm chasing on the AccuWeather Network and at AccuWeather.com. And uh, up next, we're talking fireworks. Set them off there, Andy. Yeah, we sure are. Well, not actually really in the studio, but <laughs> Those we are talking effects. fireworks in Independence Day right around the corner. Right, and we're going to be talking to the show producer that handles the Welcome America 4th of July fireworks display in Philadelphia. Yes, a festival I grew up watching each and every year growing up in the, uh, the Philadelphia suburban area <laughs> suburban area he's yeah. clarifying that because our boss ken keeps teasing him because he's not specifically from in philly <laughs> not really <a> thank you <laughs> but anyway we you know it's the birthplace of uh freedom and uh, it's questionable as to whether or not it's the birthplace of andy but anyway we are uh, talking today <laughs> to ken Firstos. he's from pyrotechnico and he's joining us on the phone hi ken how are you okay how much prep time to prepare for a show like welcome america in philly Welcome American Philly's been in work probably for about uh, probably about three months right now between the uh, the music and design of the show. So I'd say up to this point we've probably got about 250 man hours into the show and we haven't even started to build it yet. Oh wow! <laughs> and um, what are some big fireworks displays that you guys are known for that you've done? Well, to me, this uh, Welcome America is a extremely special i mean the city of philadelphia this is where it all began the art museum such a gorgeous uh, venue to light up in the uh, we light up the front of it as well as the uh, aerial shells from the rear but uh we we compete internationally we've taken uh, i think four first place and two second places in international competition and uh, every show is very important to us but i've been doing this show for a couple decades now and uh, been very blessed to uh, be involved with it well how many fireworks roughly do you guys set off on the fourth of july display that's a common question. There's a lot of effects that have, uh, you know, 300 devices in one effect, but I'd say probably around 400 aerial shells and in the other effects, you're probably maybe looking uh, 3,000, 3,500 
different uh, launchings of uh, different different units. Oh wow! Okay, and other than like with weather, preparing for that ahead of time, how do you guys prepare for the threat of bad weather? Well, we we build in the rain. The only thing that really keeps us from uh, either building or shooting are high winds and lightning, of course. Uh, explosives and uh, electrical wires and lightning just aren't a good match. So we've got to uh, cease and desist if we have any lightning in the area. And then, uh, but as far as rain, we build, you know, we've got under tents, we build the shows. Everything, it looks like a uh, baker's dream. Everything's covered with aluminum foil after that. And then we plastic it until showtime. So actually during the show, every shell is covered and protected from the weather. And if anyone's gone to Welcome America the last two years, we have not been blessed with good weather. But it looks like we might uh, get away with some good weather this year. Yeah, well, we certainly hope so, because it sounds like it's going to be a, a great show. And then you guys, I mean, there's laser. It, it's so it's changed so much over the years from what you did back then yeah, it, and what you do now. It's totally computerized. Like I said, the script is all set into a computer's. Computers run the sound, they tie it into the fireworks, those computers talk to each other. So every shell breaks in the sky within one one hundredth of a second of its determined time. So it really, it's really powerful, and I recommend anybody getting on the radio and uh, picking up the radio feed if you're not in venue, because uh, the music really enhances the show. Also, I was going to ask you, other than, you know, you mentioned lightning, do you have problems like when there's like low clouds and fog too does that create any issues well it certainly creates a viewing issue you know we uh, i think two years ago we shot it into the clouds and uh, it was just a glowing event but uh when you've got to go you got to go so uh you just got to deal with the elements that uh, are presented to you that day yeah what was one of the worst weather situations you had to deal with and, and what did you guys do to handle it my worst weather situations maybe not with this show are with the cold you know, which is other shows on New Year's Eve and such. Uh, to me, I'd, any of these other elements are doable and workable, but uh, when you get to the cold, when you've got to work with bare hands and, uh, you know, you've got crews out there, that, that becomes most difficult for us as far as weather. Yeah, that would be miserable, <laughs> just being out there in the cold and dealing with it, I can imagine. And uh, do you have someone who's charged with keeping up on the weather, like, as you're preparing, that you're like, okay, you know, Clyde, you're the one who needs to let us know what's going to be happening. <laughs> well, well, thank God for the iPhones because uh, those allow <laughs> us to uh, really keep up on it now. You know, I've got a 20-year history in aviation before I uh, came to this as a commercial pilot. So, uh, yes, I keep up on it, and every shooter does, just via your iPhone, you know. I mean, normally a large venue like Welcome America, they've also got their specialists going on. So, uh pretty easy to do these days with the radar maps and such that are, are provided to us. Right. I'm going to do a shameless plug because we have the AccuWeather Minute cast that tells you minute to minute the precipitation expected. So um, how many shows or events does Pyrotechnico do a year? A year, we're probably uh, 3,500 to 4,000. We're located all over the United States. On the 4th of July weekend, we probably do around 650 shows. Wow. And what got you specifically interested in doing fireworks, pyrotechnics? Like I said, uh, I had an aviation business, and uh, I flew the owner. He came up to the business, didn't know him, and flew him down for a meeting, and then uh, flew him back down for a show in Colonia Williamsburg and worked the show with him and uh, got the adrenaline rush of it and <laughs> hobbied with it for a couple of years. And after 20 years owning an aviation business, I thought, you know what, I'm... 
had a love for the business, but uh, with all the, all the logistics of running a business, I uh, sold it and became a full-time pyrotechnician. And currently, I'm a producer, and uh, I still go out on show sites, about 40 or 50 shows a year, Welcome America, which is one of them. Right. Well, so that's kind of like a great way to change your life's work is you get to watch fireworks all the time and be involved in them. So, well, it's not only watching it. I mean, most of the people that do this, you would you'd be amazed. You've got a, from the full spectrum of doctors, policemen, people take actually time off to get abused for two weeks because we we run very hard, twenty hour days and uh, travel like gypsies. To put these shows up, but it's actually the adrenaline we get from the crowd. We're so, entertainers, and we never, we know we're never on the main stage or under the lights, but uh, we are the main event at each at each uh, venue. You certainly are. So uh, we're excited for the fireworks displays coming up. And uh, Andy, my producer, is from the Philadelphia area, as he mentioned, and so uh, maybe we'll send him back down there to get us some video. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. And for details on the Philly fireworks, you can go to welcomeamerica.com. Yeah, I try to check out that show each and every year. Of course, a great fireworks display and the great folks at Pyrotechnico, that company, putting on an amazing display. One of many that they do year round. Right, and I think uh, it, that it's pretty cool that they took a little bit of time to talk to us because I'm yeah. sure their schedule is insane. Yeah, with absolutely. And, you know, uh, something else that's pretty cool coming up is us talking about bugs. That's, yes, <laughs> that cool yes, we are doing bugs for our next uh, for our next show. Right, right. So uh, we'll talk to you about uh, mosquitoes. We have uh, Dr. Jim Fredericks. He's from the National Pest Management Association in the D.C. area, and they're going to talk to us about how to keep yourself safe, how to handle, like, uh, you know, ticks, uh, mosquitoes, all that kind of stuff, pests around your house. So we have that episode next week. Be sure to tune in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.